Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, we're returning to AWS reInvent in Las Vegas for part two of a session from enterprise strategist and former Coca-Cola CIO, Miriam McLemore. Listen in as she discusses how leaders can transform their organizations by rethinking their levers for change. And don't miss part one in our previous episode. So, and I like this quote uh, from Bezos about processes, and we just talked about processes. Good processes serve you. And so you can serve your customers if you get good processes. But you've got to be careful of those processes that just become a proxy, and they're no longer driving the results you want. I've, I've talked to a lot of companies about, we, uh, Coke sat in a room and said, how many people feel fully empowered to say no? to work and stop work. We very quickly made a list, right? HR can say no, legal can say no, procurement can say no, finance can say no, security can say no, architecture can say no, right? What's the list of all the people that feel fully comfortable stopping work? Okay, how many people on this wall can say yes? How many people can green light work? I mean, it was a very short list. Because you're like, well, the CEO probably can say yes, but he probably still is going to check in with legal, right? How do you shrink it down so more people are incented to get work to the finish line securely, with good contracts, with good financial stewardship, with all of the things that you put those processes in place to do? But at some point, they lost the focus on the business outcome they were driving and people were executing the process, and they said, oh, we're good. I ran the process, so we must be okay. That's a proxy. That's not focusing on the outcome. So how do you do this? How do you embed uh, these checks so that you don't have to ride your brakes into the future? And I love, again, you know, your, it's analogy day for you in the afternoon. Uh, Trains. So train wheels, how do they stay on track? It's interesting. The trains, because the wheels are tapered, when they go around or they become unstable, right, they are self-correcting because of the slant of the wheels. I didn't know this about trains until someone shared this analogy with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen train wheels my entire life. But the fact that they're slanted adjusts the train and keeps it upright. So the trains, where these wheels were originally uh, designed 150 years ago for trains that did not move that fast, still are the same design for trains that move very quickly in our world today. And it's about automating the ability to give your teams to self-correct and what are some of those alerts versus what we've talked about a lot in recent years, I think, is guardrails. You do not want to slam into a guardrail. Guardrails are good, right, because they'll keep you off not going over the cliff. But still, slamming into a guardrail is pretty ugly. Airbags go off. You know, bad things happen. You want to actually stay on the road. And so what are alerts, what are things that you can put into your system that tell your team, hey, warning, 
you're nearing the edge, like cars do now. They beep at you, right? What, what are the things that you can automate for your team that doesn't say, oh, you're over budget, but your budget's creeping up. You need to make an adjustment, right? You've got, um, you're about to overrun. Here's an adjustment. So how do you automate to stay on track versus slamming into guardrails? So leveraging self-correcting mechanisms um, is how we talk about that in IT. So there are tools that you can use. There's decision-making, getting the layers out so people are closer to the decisions. They can see the uh, impact of the decision they made. The teams are principle-based. They know how they're making decisions and on what principles decisions should get made. These are all self-correcting mechanisms. And you have a cross-functional team together so that they can share perspectives and ideas of how do we stay on track, where are we about to overrun. So using these kind of mechanisms, again, to avoid the guardrails, guardrails are good, but let's not hit them. Let's try to avoid doing that. So that's in place of injecting yourself into the decision-making process. It's about creating transparency and automated feedback mechanisms. So I, I realized that I was doing this wrong at one point in my career when there was a line outside my door. I felt like I needed one of those number takers, right? Because everybody needed me for the decision. That is not a good management style if everyone needs to come ask you to move forward. So how do you get yourself out of that so as a leader you can lead and your team has the right feedback mechanisms to adjust course? So guardrails, they're an emergency device. Mechanisms are there to keep you on track while you move fast. This is another um, thing to look at. Might not be an issue in your organization, was an issue in my organization. Um, how, the question being, how long does it take a resource? If the answer is, it depends on who asked, that's not a good process. That was the case in our organization on occasion. If so-and-so asked, well, obviously it only takes a day. Um, if somebody else asked, well, it takes a couple months. That, that is not an effective uh, approach if you are trying to create autonomous teams and an approach that is consistent across your organization. The answer you'd like to have is everybody gets, right, the fast response. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. And so working with your organization to identify those areas, again, that have friction, that you need a better mechanism or process for, that aren't people dependent, is an important aspect because... We need our teams to have the ability to decide and not wait 
But again, we are not looking for anarchy. We're not looking for everybody to paddle in their own direction. Autonomous teams actually require more leadership, not less. And the cloud democratizes access to resources for your teams. It allows for control and transparency without those bottlenecks and constant innovation. But I think there's a fear in some people of letting the power of the cloud and making it available to your teams. And so making an environment that has the right mechanism so that you can leverage the power of the technology is absolutely critical. And not, as, as my colleague says, making it dependent on an individual. Because that's a black market and not efficient. So we talked about defining structure, following process, imposing constraints, and granting exceptions was our old model. And suggest that you look at smaller increments of work, creating flywheels that reinforce more in an iterative, agile manner, removing friction, deploying mechanisms, and fostering autonomy within your team. And then if you can do that, then it allows you to begin to improve continuously. So again, this constant change, constant learning, moving faster, and staying on track, not slamming into guardrails, self-correcting, staying on track, and pushing decision-making down to where people actually know more about the subject. And then I said, you know, leading in economies of speed, it actually requires more leadership. I think there's a fear sometimes in in middle management, that if we go to these autonomous teams, what do you need me for? Because I, I manage this big team. When teams are making decisions, you need more leadership because, one, as a technology leader, you need to understand the systems that are available to your teams and the decisions that are getting made about those systems. But you also need to be able to be a people leader that leads through change, with empathy, for your team that is operating in a very new model. And so a modern leader really has to get in deep and understand what the technology can do for you. Because what we used to do uh, as leaders is make proclamations. Hi, we're going to reduce IT costs by 10%. Right, We're going to migrate all the workloads to the cloud. We're going to become agile. We're going to transform IT from a cost center to an innovation center. Some of you in this room must have heard these proclamations. They didn't work out all that well because often they were not measured on the right criteria. And so people move stuff, but we didn't get the benefit of cloud. So we migrated to cloud, but we didn't actually change architecture. Or we reduced IT costs, so we cut um, updates, or we cut investments, so we reduced costs, but now we have fragile systems. Or we have project managers that are now called scrum masters, but we didn't change any of the ways they worked. So they have these cool new titles, but 
We didn't actually change how we operated. And so getting to a place where we have a, a more thoughtful approach to leadership, we understand the uh, technology, and you've heard some great announcements. It requires a deep understanding of this technology to leverage it effectively. So we're not saying you don't need technologists. You need deep technologists, right? You need to understand the impact those technologies' decisions make on your future. And you need IT and the business strategy to work together to fuel one another and drive innovation for your organization. So, you have a good leader. What about the people? We talk a lot about, you know, do we have the right people to lead us into this new world. I believe you do have the right people. We've just taught them how to work in this old model. And so they're doing what we told them to do. We gave them processes, we gave them this structure, and we forced them into it. And so they're doing what you said. Maybe not what you want, but they are operating in the environment that we created. And so if you want people to operate differently, you have to unteach them from working that way and teach them a new way of working and giving them some latitude to actually have what they want taken into account. I just did an a interview um, on DEI, right? We have to have a more diverse workforce that represents better our consumer base and our customers. And so what do organizations want? <laughs> we traditionally wanted people to stay in the role, take direction, don't ask for raises, right, and be comfortable, right? I want a comfortable performance monologue. I just want to, you know, you just say, yep, that's good, and move on. What do employees want, right? They want to know something about a career path. They want some autonomy to work on cool new things. They want a fair evaluation, and they want to be in a learning environment. And so marrying that up so that you have role models in your organization there, people can see that is a model of how we're going to work in the future, right? We have real change that is being instituted, not just some what we would call cowboys off to the side. Cowboys, cowboys have just come to town. The rodeo is here. If you had not seen them yet, they're coming to town. But we call those guys... The cowboys that were off doing something wrong. It needs to be the core way of working, this agile, iterative approach. And at Amazon, we would say, be stubborn about the vision of where you want to get to, but flexible on how your teams get there and give them, again, that autonomy. So you need to be a modern leader. You have the right people you need to make sure that the technology that you're employing makes sense. And with your people, you need to keep your common sense and treat them as, as you would have wished to be treated. That golden rule comes back to haunt you. So I thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. 
Visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights for more on these topics.